This is the Frogcast. Welcome to the Frogcast. We are so excited that you're with us today. Thanks for listening. 62-22, TCU over Baylor, the largest margin of victory in the history of one of the longest-running rivalries in college football. The Horned Frogs came to play. Baylor folded up like a cheap suit. They had stamps out to mail this game in, and we dominated this program in the way that it deserved to be not dominated. I never knew there were so many... TCU fans out there that happened to pull for other teams because everybody was so excited to watch us get a big win over the Baylor Bears. Anytime we beat Baylor is a good day. Anytime we beat Baylor by 40 in Waco is a great day. Trey, we have been honest about the frustrations of this season on this show. Just be blunt here, buddy. Did you expect us to go down to Waco and pull a win off like this? Honestly, I didn't. So, you know, I think I said, I might've said last week, but you know, crazy things happen in rivalry games. So I wasn't going to be say shocked if TCU won, but I did not think going into that game, I did not think they were going to win. And then especially when it starts off on the second play of the game is a, you know, what 80 yard touchdown pass or whatever it was. So I was, you know, hoping that they could just keep it close and see what might unfold there in the fourth quarter. But uh, I never saw a beat down like this coming. And this is one of the most satisfying victories in a, in a while. I feel like um, for TCU and just like the newspapers and everything said it best. Like, Baylor wore black to their own funeral and it was so fitting and it was so perfect. Yes, it was. I think you're right. This is one of the most satisfying wins that we've had in in a long, long time. Last year was just all of that uh, walking the tightrope of the playoff and the year before fighting back to try to get to the spot and then get let go. The only thing that was on the line is whether this team was going to play or not. And my gosh, they came to play. Daniel, were you shocked to see the frogs come out this strong in a game against a rival like Baylor? Totally. wasn't expecting it at all. Um, I thought if the Frogs had a chance to win, we're looking at 7 to 10 points. Um, and I don't know where <clears throat> where uh, within the game that would have come about, maybe in the fourth quarter. Um, but I, I was blown away at, um, well, the defense mostly, but also the, um, the balanced offensive calls. I was still expecting a bunch of swing passes and fades, you know, the normal nonsense, even though the run game was working. And uh, I, I was <laughs> I, 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 kind of ashamed that I got to the point where I still didn't trust them to pull it off. Uh, we were texting about that a little. But I think, uh, you know, I was just so scarred from 2014 thinking, you know, they could turn it on at any moment. And that's that's really where that kind of came from but no nah, man they they stomped them and it was so good um everyone else was like yeah we're gonna go party we're gonna drink and i was like i don't even need to i am in such a state of bliss that i'm just gonna lay down <laughs> and just kind of like go to nirvana or whatever it was just probably oh you know that being 
we'll get into it later, but that this part of it of my day was one of the best days. Uh, whatever, it was just amazing. That's pretty cool, buddy. Nice <laughs> to hear that. It's hard to articulate. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Well, Daniel, you referenced the offense. I don't want to hear uh, what Trey's thoughts are. We had all of these things come together where I feel like the offensive coordinators started to click in terms of using the personnel we had. We had a healthy Kyle Hicks. We had a healthy Cavante Turpin. And we had a Kenny Hill who was truly locked in, ready to play. Trey, what did you make of the offensive production in this game where we hung 62 on Baylor? Yeah, I totally have to give props to Kenny Hill you know I've been hard on him this season so when he does have a game like this uh, he does deserve praise Uh, him you know getting benched hopefully it looks like that that kind of got him back on track got him focused Um, and he you know numbers wise it's not his best game as a frog but all around just he was, his passes seemed to be more on the mark. Obviously, there was no interceptions, which is huge in my book. And, uh, you know, he ran for 85 yards, too, which I think uh, this offense really needed. And so mad props to him. And obviously, Kyle Hicks, anytime you score five touchdowns, I mean, you're a beast. And that dude's great to watch. I'm glad that we get him for another year um, because hopefully – this team will continue to grow. Uh, and so, you know, the, be looking good for next season. But, yeah, the offense all around, 62 points. I know it's a Baylor defense, but by far their best in most complete game. They put up points in all four quarters. And like y'all said, the play calling, I, I love, don't get me wrong, I love spreading them out and throwing it all around the field. But you have to, you know, know how to use your players and, we have a really good running back. You know, we have a couple really good running backs and it was nice to see them all utilize. I mean, Kyle Hicks with 26 carries, I would love to see him get, you know, that many every week from here on out. Yeah. You know, we had, we had kind of gone back and forth on Kenny Hill for the last several weeks. And you had mentioned that so many of those numbers were, were kind of inflated. And we joked that they were basically sunny coming numbers from all those years ago. I don't even, I don't even know what his stats were off the top of my head until I look them up. And they're honestly not the most impressive thing. Nobody's like thinking, Oh my gosh, I want to get this guy on my fantasy team, but my goodness, what he did was lead the team. He didn't make any mistakes. He put the ball where it needed to be. And he, he set us up to win. And that was the most impressive game that he's played as a Horn Frog. His statistics don't match that for some other games, but he did everything we needed to do to make this offense click, make this team hum. And that's the kind of quarterback I thought we were going to get at the beginning of the year. And it's really good to see that right now. Daniel, you got any thoughts on the offense in terms of what we were able to put on the field as a, as a team to hang 62 on Baylor? I know you've, uh, we were kind of writing back and forth during the game and some things that you liked. Well, I, I know this. Um, the game started out really scary because on the second play overall, they scored a touchdown. I thought, crap. And then Frog's first play on offense was a simple, you know, side uh, lateral pass dropped. And I thought, crap, here we go. And what I really liked was, I guess, mostly the running game. Um, Kenny Hill looked a lot better with, you know, overall in his passing, but we haven't seen 
<sighs> that much running in a while, and I liked it. I like obviously Hicks. Uh, we got it, but we're loaded from here on out. I mean, Shaywell got a score. He looks tough. Um, Darius Anderson looks good. I, I'm excited for the future, and then to, to imagine, you know, Sean Robinson coming in and Omar Manning and Jalen Rager and all these guys. I think it's going to be insane. But as far as the game, uh, mostly the, the running game, I'd say. Yeah, when you just go through the stats and you see that on 26 carries for 192 yards for Hicks, Kenny Hill with 85 yards rushing, that that is that is killer. That is awesome. Yeah, you mentioned Darius Anderson, a true freshman, seven carries for 44 yards, Kavate Turpin for 40 yards, uh, Derek Green, who we said we didn't want to see play anymore, he came in and got some yards during crunch time or during a, a mop up time. But man, I love watching Shea run the ball. That guy is. Uh, the future. When you think that we got next year, we have Hicks back there as well as sophomores with with Anderson and with Shewu. That we are set up to really thrive in the backfield. And it was nice to kind of see it all come together on one day um, against Baylor of all people. But yeah, it was nice to see that come together. And mad props to the O line for really turning their game around. You know, minimize the penalties. Really, were opening up holes, doing lots of good blocking. It was a complete turnaround from what we've pretty much seen all season. Yeah. Yeah. Two other things I wrote down about the offense that I wanted to highlight. Uh, Trey Elliott was playing left guard and we had recruited him. He was a kid out of North Dallas that had played some tackle in high school. We thought he might play on the defensive side of the ball. He actually played pretty darn well. And um, I watched the post game uh, press conference from Patterson and they mentioned that he was healthy and he was ready to contribute. So that's the kind of guy that you love seeing able to, you know, he's been coached up, you know, he's been putting some time into the weight room. I like seeing him do well. We don't give a lot of shout out to offensive linemen unless they're getting flagged for, you know, a hold eight yards behind the line of scrimmage on a first down run. So nice to see that. And then the other thing, I just want to get this off my chest before I forget it. Why do we always get the ref that never skips arm day? You know, we got that, that that white hat ref that looks like he's about 55 years old and goes to CrossFit every day. I just laugh at him. They have, I have no nothing else to say other than that guy could kick everybody's butt. That's all I know. <laughs> I love that guy. All right, let's flip over to the other side of the ball. Trey, did you see anything on defense in, in terms of how we shut down Baylor that was either personnel or a strategy or just an energy shift that let us do what we haven't been for the second straight week to shut down one of these high-powered offenses? Well, yeah, I think, in my opinion, it's just things are finally starting to click and they're starting to play as a unit. And I don't know if it's good or bad that it's taken this long for them to all get on the same page. But it's like you said, now two back to back games where they've held two of, you know, the highest scoring offenses in the country to well below their averages and I think you see, you know, Tejada getting, you know, healthier um, with the, you know, obviously he had that pick six. I think you see, you know, Orr's playing better. The linebackers are playing better. We got, you know, good pressure from the D line yesterday. And so to me, it's just, you know, <clears throat> I don't break down film and all that stuff, but just looking at it as a whole, they're just, they've played light years better than what they did in those first few games. And it's not like they got it going. It's not like they turned it around against, say, Kansas and Iowa State. I mean, like I said, these are two, you know, of the highest scoring offenses in the country. And they've, you know, really, really kept them both in check. And so 
I'm hoping that this has just been the turning point for this group and and we'll no longer be shocked when we see this that we'll know this is now the new normal this is you know TCU back to playing TCU defense and I think they can do that if you know if you look at the upcoming games those those offenses aren't better than the two they just faced so there's no reason um for them to not be able to continue to do this yeah, I completely agree with what you said. It was It's so nice to see some of these people not only healthy to be on the field, but healthy to thrive with the contribution you knew they were going to make. I mean, it's so, I felt so much, I felt so good for Taha to be able to have that game because, you know, I don't want to pick on the poor kid, but the last time we played at Waco, he got burned and, and he knew it. That was, that was a rough game for him for two years ago. He, he looked so good out there in that game. I love that pick six. I love the sack from Julius Lewis and from Johnson. I love Matt Bozen played another good game. Uh, the, the other the other thing I picked up, and I only, I'm not smart enough to see this in the live game. I, ran, I saw it when they ran a replay. When Josh Caraway goes out in pass coverage, so they can blitz somebody from the cor- from the edge from the corner edge, that is really cool to see. Like a, you know, a 275 pound defensive end out there trying to cover a wideout. That was that. Those are things that Patterson can can do with healthy personnel, and you can see some of those shifts that they're able to do, and some of the uh, schematic difference that it's able to make. They got all these healthy players on the defensive side of the ball. Daniel, I know you've been pretty critical of the defense this year, like like all three of us have. What did you appreciate about the game and the effort that they put out yesterday? Well, everything. I mean, uh, in a Patterson defense, the everything kind of starts with the coverage. So if you've got your corners running around with you know good coverage, that allows the line to um, really attack and not just play prevent defense, which unfortunately they've had to do some uh, this year. But, you know, they were on it, you know, interceptions. Um, was it Tejada that had the, the pick six? Yes, it was okay. Anthony, yes. Yeah, that was that looked great. I mean, Seth looked like he didn't even know what he was doing. Uh, he's, Of course, he's probably concussed. But uh, I don't know. Everything, because uh, you start with the coverage, then, the, you know, they had all those sacks. Um Plenty, you know, they kept running it, and then they would just stuff them for two yards. Uh, you know, lots of plays like that. And I was just blown away that it was – it felt like – and I guess it was probably the best defensive performance since the Peach Bowl. And they just, you know, ripped them to shreds, and it was fantastic. Yeah, that is the game that we are used to seeing played with with our defense. So that was – I felt like we were watching Paul Dawson again out there. That was a heck of a heck of a performance, so – Good for you guys. I'm glad that Patterson stuck with this team when when our spirits kind of let them down. It was so good to see that kind of come together this Saturday against Baylor. That's that's a that's a good situation to be in. One of the other things that really clicked this weekend was 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 the kicking game on both sides of the ball. You know, you see those punts where we're pinning them inside of the inside of the ten, inside of the five. We saw field goals that were made, extra points that were made. Everything kind of clicked on both sides of the ball as well as special teams. I don't know what else we want to say about that. But it does feel good to see our kicking game um, have some threshold of normalcy that we've been used to with Oberchrome. And um, it's, it's nice to see all that come together. You know, kick, punting was such a concern on the message boards during the spring game and during the offseason. I don't think we have anything but good things to say about Nunez and what he's done this year with the, with the kicking game. That's just my opinion. No, I saw him kick punt, or, yeah, punt in the spring game, and I was like, this kid can punt. I mean, he was killing it. And then pinning those two 
within the one yard line was just unreal. And then um, uh, the kicking game, or like the the field goals, I did notice a couple or at least one play where they kind of realized they were going to bust it, so he kind of jumped towards the middle between the hashes so Hatfield could set up in the middle because he's really bad from especially the left side. So that's still a bit of a concern, and I still don't know the story on Song. That's a big mystery. But overall, I, it's especially with the punting, it's pretty darn solid. Yeah, there's more conspiracy theories around uh, Jonathan Song and why he's not playing than Lee Harvey Oswald. I'd really be curious as to what's going on with him because no two stories are the same. So maybe we're just rolling the dice with Nunez and he's playing. He's our guy. We're going with it. I have no clue, to be honest. But when you score 62 points, it doesn't really matter. So worked out pretty well. I want to take a second to read through a couple of uh, tweets we got sent in. I asked some folks online, you know, give us, you know, we're celebrating the Baylor win on our podcast. Describe the game in four words. We're going to read the best on air. I want to give you a couple of these Uh, from uh, from our friend Yell MK, who always complains when I reply to him with too much. He says, got my swagger back. Um, Kyle six times five from Drew Klein. I thought that was pretty good. John Parker says, keep running the ball. Uh, Wolftron V lets us know to run the ball often. Somebody says, play to our potential. I love this from Sooner Source. Everyone frogs this week. I thought that was a pretty good summary. Noel Buttery says, karma is a bitch. And I'm going to go ahead and agree with her. Uh, Jake Blackwell says, Kyle Hicks for president. And then a, a, a Twitter handle that I, I kind of wish we were sponsored by. So if they want to become an official sponsorship of the Frogcast, our friends at Baylor fail. So if you guys are listening to this, which I know you are, um, get in touch with us. We'd love to have you on the show. But his response to summarize the game was four words. Baylor fail, Baylor fail. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> yeah, not to be redundant. Speaking of Baylor fail, Trey, did you uh, did you go down and get a T-shirt uh, that says Coach Art Bryles? Did you go pick one of those up? Hopefully you got one for me. Unfortunately, I guess the they had packed up their table or uh, sold out all of them before I happened to get down there and get one of those Convict Art Bryles t-shirts. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Um, they I saw a picture on Twitter that one of the uh, suites that had a uh, like CAB flag hanging out of it. Um, and, and everybody in the suite had t-shirts on. Yeah. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. And, uh, Alex Apple, um, who's a TCU alum. I don't know if he was there. Um, but he tweeted that he saw a TCU fan, I guess, trying to take a picture of that table that had all the shirts on it. And a police asked them or like told them to leave or asked, escorted them out or whatever and then the Waco PD responded back and said that no they didn't do that but Alex Apple saying that he, whoever it was it was somebody with the police shirt on that asked them to like keep it moving or whatever and so it's just ridiculous it's absurd that they even have people that are selling them it's ridiculous that people are willing to buy them I don't understand why they're trying to hitch their wagon to that guy. He's scum. He's a criminal. And they honestly just need to move on. They're making it worse on themselves. Like, you couldn't handle this more poorly. Like, you couldn't write this out and be like, all right, 
this is how you handle it real shitty you do all these things like you couldn't make it this bad it's it's just it's just ridiculous. And then, you know, obviously the team gets involved and has the blackout and they're trying to say, Oh no, it's not, you know, in protest or anything for our bryles. It's just for TCU when we all know that's not the case. And it's good. Good. They were distracted and it's, it's fine. We crushed you. And it was amazing. When your entire coaching staff, is coordinating a a tweet to all send out the night before this game. You know that their focus is on uh, retribution or frustration or denial rather than figuring out how to beat, beat a team who who honestly, if we didn't win another game the rest of the year, which I know we will, I'd be fine if we if we beat the crap out of Baylor and called it a season. This, these coaches are not focused on the team. They clearly are there to just, they're babysitting. They're focused. I don't, I, they're destroying every potential they have to get another job. And they, and you know, they're ruining our browse's opportunity to get another job though. He did that to himself. It is disgusting to watch. I mean, like it is, it is lame to watch. And the guy, I don't feel sorry for him cause he stepped right into it. But man, you watch that goober Jim Grobe on the sidelines. He just looks like he's in a car wreck that he can't get out of. Yeah, That's a I don't joke. feel sorry for that guy at all. Like I don't either. You you took that job. You knew going into it what it was going to be, what the situation was, and you still took it. So no, I'm sorry. I don't feel bad from one bit. And he's making a million dollars as is. So no, it I, doesn't I'm have to do anything. Too. Yeah, he just stands there. I mean, I'll do that for a million dollars. I do it for a hundred. I do it for 150. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know his, his. Although he he is well versed in the Art Browse uh, PR school because he doesn't he didn't know anything about these coordinated tweets. He doesn't know anything about these T-shirts. He just doesn't know anything about what's going on there. So he's I, I guess I guess that's a prerequisite to be the head coach at Baylor is to have all of this stuff going on around you that you don't know anything about. So man, that that whole situation continues to be a mess. It just continues to be a mess. So and then you know you think like I, I want to give some you know credit where credit was due the the site our daily bears which is part of SB Nation the same network that Frogs of War is a part of they posted a heck of an article which if you haven't read it you need to and the guy's honest he's like look I gave Bryles the benefit of the doubt as long as I could and then when it became clear that he didn't deserve it anymore I I I'm glad he's gone he hurt our university. And then, you know, they walk through all these things of the embarrassment of yesterday. And then it basically ends with, and we got annihilated by 40 points, which is the worst loss since before Bryles came there. That's where they've returned to where they were in terms of that status of getting their, their butt kicked. The comment section looked like something off of a, a, a 9-11 truthers website in terms of their just vitriol to, to this author to even think that Baylor had done anything wrong. These board of regents are idiots. They're the ones that are ashamed. The real victims are the students that don't get to watch winning football anymore. I'm like, this is this is so far off the reservation. I don't even have good words for it. Of the disgust of reading the response of these fans. Not about like a. I I get pissed off about where the frogs are ranked in the last college football playoff ranking in, in 2014. The the going to the mat for this garbage is ridiculous, and it is. It's only doing one thing. It's continuing to knock down any interest from a coach that a good coach that wants to come there. That's my opinion. 
Good. I could go on and on about that. Yeah, good. I don't know who who wants this job. Who no. wants this job? Why? Well, unless you're just a coach that is at a really small non-power five school, and you just want to see if you can get a power five job and see what you can do. I mean, there's no way they get a big name to go there. I mean, they're, they're out of the Herman sweepstakes. I saw one of their posters mention less miles, like no way he's going to, he's crazy. Oh, yeah, but right. He wouldn't touch that job no, with a 10 uh-huh. foot pole. And it's just, you know what? I get how fans could be upset. Um, and I, I do, I guess, see some of their side being upset with their board of regents because they're, they're the head of the university. They've been leading this thing. And I don't think obviously it's not been handled great. I think if they just would have, you know, came out, like everybody said, came up from the beginning with release the reporting, fire all the people start over, you know, we would still be, you know, talking about it probably this week because we were playing them. But if they would have done that, I don't think we would have been talking about it every week. Like we have been. And I just don't understand, like I said, why they're still hitching it to the art Bryles wagon. Like, I just don't understand that support because now a lot more has come out. Like it, all the information you know, has come out and there's probably, I guess, still more that could come out, which is even amazing to me, but I just don't understand why they will not move on past that R. Bryle stuff. I mean, you've just, it's just, like you said, it's hurting, it's hurting them to get a new coach. It's hurting them in public perception. I'm sure it's hurting them on applications, you know, for the school. And it's just, honestly, like, I'm glad that, all of it happened in this game was on national TV for everybody to see just how delusional and weird that fan base is. Yes. Although, you know, Daniel, I got to tell you, I thought of you watching the game because you know what I didn't see any of? Dancing? What does ba- there was no dancing. They didn't have those guys dressed up like anonymous dancing on the sideline with paid graduate assistants whose only job is to pretend like they're keeping them off the field. I didn't see it. If you go back to the very beginning before the team runs on the field, they're doing the exact same thing in the tunnel. Okay. Yeah. And they're even, one of them even was saying, he was telling another grad assistant, like, no, we have to hold them back. And they're trying to push their way out. And they're trying to hold them back like they're prison guards and they're busting at the seams and all that. Well, in some ways they are. Well, that's true. Very good point. Um, So they were doing that, but I didn't see it on the sideline. So. I don't know. Maybe that was just an Art Bryles thing. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a fine line with all of this. You know, I mean, we're obviously talking about a, a, a life-altering crime in terms of the victims of this. And I, I never want to make light of this. And I never want to take some self-righteous role. Like, I don't have just total purple shades on and everything that I see. But, you know, I want, I want to use this example. And tell me if you guys agree with this. You go back to... I think it was July, maybe early August of 2014, Devontae Fields gets arrested. He basically beats up his girlfriend and pulls a gun. And the situation gets pled down and pled down and pled down and basically just goes and 
I know there's some legal term, but he basically goes to the park and picks up trash for a couple of weeks ends and sits through one one anger management class, and the whole thing kind of goes away. He goes off to a community college, and he's now starting at Louisville. Of course, Bobby Petrino will take this guy. We, I would have loved to have seen a player of Devontae Fields' caliber rushing the passer in the fourth quarter of the Baylor game in 2014 when we were out of gas. But I would rather be um, 11 and one than have a guy that beats his girlfriend and puts it, puts a gun in her face. Then I don't want that bastard on the team. Like I, I, I can, I, I don't want a university like that. Are, are, are some players shady? Absolutely. Are some students shady? Absolutely. But if that's what you do, I don't, I don't care what the judge says. If this is what is documented that you did, I do not want you back on our football team. Is that fair? But has he played it down? Yes, he's played. Oh, yeah, he's played at Louisville. He's starting at Louisville. Well, I, I know. I'm just making a <laughs> oh, Lane oh, oh, Baylor. You're, oh, you're picking up a Lane Baylor. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're, you're so well-versed in these. I'm, I'm proud of you. Well, you, you said you don't care what the judge says, and I was like, I know. They always to put it that way. He was never convicted or whatever. You know, They always kind of come up with some BS. It doesn't matter. You can still kick him off the team for being a piece of crap. Yeah, innocent until proven guilty is the threshold of the government to imprison you, not whether you have the right to attend a private institution and play football. You know, that those are two different things. And Baylor has a law school and TCU doesn't. And these Baylor fans do not understand that. You know, innocent until proven guilty has to do with the government's right to retain detain you, not whether or not you should continue to play. Like if, if somebody beats his girlfriend and then the girlfriend drops all the charges. I don't I don't want that guy back. I don't care what the judge says. I don't care that the police, uh, you know, don't don't press charges on that. If that's what happened, I don't want you back on the football team, because the only reason you're on campus is because you can play football, not because you're a four point student that's, that's, you know, breaking, you know, doing great things in the math department. So yeah, it was End her of fault my in the first place. I know she should have never dressed like that. So <laughs> I don't know. You do see a lot of that on um, on some Twitter fights of, you know, it's, it takes two for situations like this to be created, and those girls need to watch themselves. And it's often older women that say that, and I'm like, what the f*** is wrong with you? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm going to have to mark this one explicit. Yeah, sorry. No, take that off. Take that off. I'm at 3540. You can, you can fix that. I apologize. All right. It's probably for the best if you take that out. All right. You can take out as much of that as you want. <laughs> All right, guys, let's switch gears here. We had some other good games that were going on. Um, Texas beats Texas Tech in a, in, a, in a prototypical Big 12 shootout. We've got a touchdown that's not ruled a touchdown that Texas Tech runs back for 100 yards. Trey, just got one question. Is Texas back? You know it. They're back. <laughs> Surprised they didn't carry Charlie off the field after that one. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right, man. Coach Bro and Charlie. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I watched a little bit of that game. Um, and I guess, you know, I, if Charlie wins a couple more, I mean, are they going to keep him? Is there a chance that they keep him around after this year? Is, there, is you I, think, I he's think so. No matter what. I think so, yeah. That's why I was glad for them to win because the more he sticks around, the more they just kind of wallow in mediocrity. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping that he does stick around. I don't want them to get Tom Herman. <laughs> no, yeah, no I kind of, I kind of go back and forth on that. I, I wouldn't mind being able to beat their butts when they're a top ten team because beating a top ten Baylor doesn't mean as much as being the top ten Texas. It's stupid, but it's true. But 
Yeah, I laughed when they when they're they're talking about how this is their biggest win of the year and all that kind of stuff. And I think he's going to keep his job. I really do. I agree with you guys. He's gonna he's gonna keep his job. I'm pulling up their um, the rest of their schedule here. They've got West Virginia this week, and then they've got um, let's see, they got West Virginia this week, and then they got Kansas and they got TCU and they're done. So three more games. They could go one and two. Do you think he keeps his job if they beat? If they uh, they could go yeah if they go one and two if they lose to West Virginia beat Kansas and lose to TCU do you think he keeps his job? Uh, that's tough. I really don't know. I think they're so the you know Texas fans and alums are so kind of fed up with him. Uh, it's hard to say. I, I think it depends on how they look in these games. Like if they say get. If TCU drills them for their final game of the year, which I think TCU is going to beat Texas, I just don't think Texas is that good. So I don't know. It kind of depends. But if they do say beat, you know, if they do beat West Virginia and Kansas, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm really curious to see what happens because it's like, how bad did they want Herman? Do they really want him? Is there somebody else out there that they really want? I don't know. It's, it's interesting situation. I just don't, I think, I think the Texas fans are fed up with them though. I mean, what's the difference between, I mean, the best they can go is eight and four, which is they, they would end with one, two, with five straight wins. If they go eight and four, they will beat Baylor tech, West Virginia, Kansas, TCU. I don't think anybody thinks they're going to beat West Virginia and TCU. If they win one of those, um, you know, one of them. I mean, if they if they won one of those two games with TCU and West Virginia, they're seven and five. I mean, is is that does that mean Texas is back? I mean, are they really going to be pleased with going seven and five? I, I, I don't know, I mean, man. It may depend on who's actually available. If they can't land, you know, Tom Herman or something, um, I, I don't know if they're going to you know move forward because based on who's available. Um, so it may it may depend on that. Well, here's my bold prediction, and you can write this down. If Houston beats Louisville, which they play in two weeks and a week and or a week and a half, it's a Thursday night game. If Houston beats Louisville and TCU beats Texas to end the season, they're going to fire Charlie Strong. But if if Charlie if if Herman you know has a loss to Navy and SMU and they kind of get uh, boat raised by Louisville, I I don't. I don't think they're going to fire Charlie Strong because I don't think they're going to want Tom Herman. So I think that's uh, there's a lot in play there. That's that's my bold prediction. His so. stock has definitely dropped big time. Yeah, yeah, because SMU got the doors blown off them by Memphis. Memphis destroyed SMU. So yeah, you can't. Uh, but that, they should if they don't think he's the man, they should just get rid of him. But they're going to base it off of all these other things, and boosters are going to make their decisions because hey, that's how Texas works. Did you happen to take a nap during the LSU Bama game, either one of you guys? Because that was boring as heck. Oh my god! I honestly didn't watch it, and I, I was like wasted by the time that game came on. <laughs> I was celebrating. We had people over here at my house, and I, I just so I, no, I don't remember that. I didn't watch any of it, but I did. I wanted to, like, I was looking forward to watching it, and. I woke up this morning to look at the score, and I was like, 10 to 0. That must have been a beating. Well, you know, the first step of admitting you have a problem is saying, man, I really wanted to, but I'm so blitzed I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
that's great. Yeah, that was a bad game. I'm sorry. That was that was a really bad game. I I, I know that uh, Bama won and they beat LSU. Rah rah rah. That was just a bad game. There was nothing about that that made me want to watch it. So, anything else you guys caught um, in terms of games across the country during this last week? There wasn't a whole lot that really caught my eye. Um, Aggies lost. Aggies lost. They did. You the know, crappy ass Mississippi State. <laughs> The mid-season meltdown for the Aggies. That's right. It, it took a couple more year. weeks. <laughs> That's progress. Yeah. It took till November. It's usually late October. That's what I was trying to it's, say before. It's going to happen next year. Don't worry. I love how it's the week after. They're, they got put in the top four. Shouldn't have been there to begin with. And Five days later. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking amazing. And every single person that, that harassed the committee about why in the world you have Washington behind um, behind the Aggies was, was proven right because Washington goes out and absolutely de- destroys Cal, 66 to 27. And the Aggies get beat by a team who lost to University of Southern Alabama. And you just don't waltz into the University of Southern Alabama and expect to win. But Mississippi State did, and they lost. Yeah. Yeah, Ohio State won big. They they killed Nebraska. USC uh, beat Oregon. It looks like Oregon's coach is going to be on the hot seat. So there's a there's going to be some musical chairs there. Did you see Phil Knight is looking to pony up ten million dollars a year to get the I, best. I was just going to say that that I saw that today, and that is absurd. Ten million I mean, for what? For a head coach, a new head coach. They might hire fire. Oh, okay. Mark yeah, good lord. Ten did y'all? Did y'all happen to see though Marshawn Lynch come back because uh, they did his bobblehead on the uh, like injury cart and him and his mom were like driving the the cart around the field. <laughs> yes, I saw that. <laughs> it was awesome. That dude cracks me up. I love just the way his attitude and I don't know when he does talk. I think he's pretty insightful and funny, and I loved seeing that because that cracked me up. That boy's just loving life. I love it. Yeah, I love that. That was that was a great uh, uh, video clip. I guess it's not a Vine anymore, but it was a great video clip. That's worth watching if you haven't seen it. Washington State, I wanted to highlight this because I got a conspiracy theory. Washington State beat Arizona 69-7. to Washington State is undefeated in Pac-12 play. They, own, they control their destiny, and they play Washington that Thanksgiving weekend, a rivalry weekend. But they got two losses, and one of them is to an FCS team, Portland State. And the other one is the Boise State. And so if, if you're an Oklahoma fan and you're trying to figure out a way to be the, the sacrificial lamb to Alabama in the first round of the playoffs, you want Washington State to win the Pac-12 and have one of their losses be against an FCS team and see if that um, stacks up against Alabama or against Oklahoma winning the Big 12 at 10-2. and two. So that's, that's my little conspiracy theory if you guys are um, curious about how that's going to shake out. So. I don't see them beating Washington. I don't either, but they look good right now. Washington State looks really good. So I don't see them beating Washington either. I'm frankly, I'm on the Washington train. I'm I'm kind of pulling for them. I think they're better than Clemson. I think they're better than Michigan. I think they're going to get stuck with uh, Alabama in the first round, but they shouldn't be. But, yeah, I'm a big big Washington fan. But I think Washington State could beat them. It'd be great if, if, if Mike Leach got left out of the playoffs. I would love to be at the press conference when that happens. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. 
That would be great. He'd be talking about the players and their fat girlfriends and too many kids get a trophy and Trump. I mean, it would just be it would be the circular logic that only like eight people got. And I would soak it all up. So. All right, guys, we want to look at the playoff. We've uh, been picking our our top four since the playoff committee started uh, selecting their four. We're coming out a couple of days before them. We were all wrong last week because nobody had Aggie at number four. Um, so we're, we really put a challenge out to focus in on on who we actually thought the committee would pick as the top four, understanding a little bit better their criteria after three years of doing this. So, Daniel, let's start with you because you're the one that wanted to do this and really try to pretend like we're on the committee. Who are the four teams that you think are going to deserve to be in the playoff and you're acting like you're on the committee? Okay, so it was kind of hard to put together. It took me a while to figure this out, but I think I've got it down to the what it's going to be exactly and this is the the week that matters. Whatever I predict next week doesn't matter yet. So, uh, obviously, Alabama, number one. And then after that, I have to go with LSU because they yeah. fought a gritty game and only lost by 10 at home, but to the most amazing SEC team that ever was. So they're going to be number two. Uh, number three, uh, well, actually, let me say something. I think... I'm going to have to rank TCU this week because Arkansas beat TCU. So I'm going to put Arkansas at number four. They beat her. That's, so that's another high point of uh, winning on a, against a ranked team. And then Auburn beat the living crap out of Arkansas. So Auburn's going to be three and Arkansas is four. So uh, I got Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and Arkansas. Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Arkansas. Okay, that, that that makes sense. All right, I can go for that. Trey, you got four teams that you think are going to be on the playoff, that the playoff committee is going to pick? Who you got? Yeah, so I agree with Daniel. you got to keep Alabama number one. Um, but I'm going to put Mississippi State at number two because they play Alabama this week, and it's on ESPN. So ESPN is going to want to tout that as, you know, a top five matchup between two really good SEC teams. And then um, I think you, with Daniel, I got to slide LSU down to three. Tough, greedy losses like that are always really good on the resume for the playoff committee. And number four, I think you you just keep Texas A&M there because now that I have Mississippi State at number two, that's a quality loss for the Aggies so that their losses would only be to the number one and number two ranked teams in the country. And so that would be my solid top four. All right. That's bold on the Aggies. You know, I, I, I really wrestled with where to put A&M. So he's, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna, he's right. That's a good, that's a good one. That's true. Look at, look at who their losses are to. I mean, that's the upside. Of, I mean, of, who of cares that. about winning really? It's just, it's, it's about the quality loss. Yes, it's all about the quality loss. All about the quality loss. All right. Well, I'm going to diverge from you guys a little bit, and so please feel free to to disagree with me. Um, you can you can take this for what it's worth. This is this is just my thought. I'm, I'm kind of the contrarian on this show, so I'm going to go with with uh, Alabama number one. So I'm going to go out on a ledge here. I got Bama number one, but I got Georgia number two. Because they are, they control their own destiny on in the SEC East, and so to to be be kind of be in the driver's seat on the other side of the SEC, 
that in some ways is default to be the number two team. So I'm going to go with Georgia at number two. Auburn, I'm going to go with at number three. I know they got that loss early in the season to Clemson, but you know I, I, I almost can't hold that loss against them because it was so early in the year. And you see that Clemson, I mean, all they, I mean, they beat Florida State and they beat Louisville. But, you know, look at what Auburn has done. And they basically, they're only playing in the SEC now. So those those wins really carry a little more weight than what Clemson is doing. So I've got Auburn at number three. And the upside is, uh, with them being at number three, they got that Iron Bowl coming up against um, Alabama on Thanksgiving weekend. I don't even know if they will drop if they lose. So I'm going to keep Auburn at number three, aware that they got some wiggle room. So if they lose, they can only go down to number four. But I just don't see him um, going behind LSU. I got to put it number four. So the LSU, that's a when you get beat by Alabama like that, that is a quality loss that the, the committee really values that. So when you um, when you see when you just kind of lay it all out there, you think Bama, Georgia, Auburn, LSU, those have to be the top four because anything outside of that just doesn't quite carry the same weight in the eyes of, of the committee as well as us. I mean, I think we're all kind of on the same page with that. Do you agree with you guys got any takeaways? I, I really from that? gotta give you credit and commend you there for being open minded and inclusive to, you know, really branch out and include the SEC East in your in your picks. That's really nice. Yeah. I'll I'll just tell you, sitting right outside the edge at number five and six, I've got Notre Dame at number five, and I got Aggie at number six. So those are the other two teams that are kind of on my radar that could maybe kick up a little bit. But don't count out Kentucky. You know, if I think a few things break their way, they could also play their way into the title game uh, in the SEC. So I would, I would, you know, they might be, they may even be nine, but you know, if they get one more win, I think they got Austin P this week. If they win that, they could possibly drive up to number five. But if they ended up in the SEC title game, they've got to be in the top four, no matter win or lose. That's, that's think, kind of the I think Vanderbilt at. needs to be in the conversation. They had a really close game against Auburn. That's true. That's true. Do you think the committee would be willing to expand to six, especially with this logic of thinking that we have? Only if you can get Ohio State in as the sixth team. They they really love Ohio State, and, and they have a quality loss on their resume already, too. So watch out yes, for them. Yes, that's right. They back in there. They did lose to Baylor's cousin, Penn State. Yes, yes, they did. And so with that, it's, you know— it was it was a tough game for them, you know. You lose, but you know who cares because they're right back in the mix. Perfect, perfect. Well, with that kind of logic, you know, it's there's there's nothing faulty about what we're thinking. I think we got some divergence here among the three of us, but the upside is we all have Alabama number one, and that we can agree to that. So. Good news is some things are going to change behind it, but it's all going to go the way that it should, which is the best teams get to play each other in the playoffs, and the and the committee has consistently done that. They've always made sure that the best teams are playing each other. So, All right, guys, we want to move to wrap up here. I want to try something just a little bit different here to uh, to end our time. I want to pull up a tweet here. Where I, I, I'm, I'm just blatantly stealing this from a show called The Solid Verbal. If you have gotten to the end of this show, we're we're over 50, we're almost 50 minutes into the show. If you've gotten this far, I want you to get on Twitter, and I want you to at yell mk y e l l m k. 
Y-E-L-L-M-K. I want you to at him, and I just want you to put the words YOLO, Y-O-L-O. He absolutely loves this. Don't put anything about the Frogcast. Don't put anything about who told you to do this. I just want you to, to just tweet at YELLMK and put the words YOLO in the message and see what happens. And um, just give him a hard time. Don't tell him who it is. See if we can bug him for a week. I kind of like stuff like this. So just the thing to wrap it up. Well, we appreciate you making this far into our show. We hope that you will um, subscribe to us on iTunes. You can always track us down at thefrogcast.com. We're a proud member of the Killer Frogs family. Go to Killer Frogs. We post the show there on Monday mornings. Please feel free to listen, and we have some lively discussion that takes place right there on the page. That, and you can also, of course, find us on Twitter at the Frogcast. We'd love to interact with you there. And one more thing. Go ahead, buddy. We are now um, up and running on Google Play, so Android users out there, you um, can use the Google Play Music app, which is a native Android app, to find the Frogcast on and stream it uh, and subscribe and all that, just like uh, iPhone users would do with their podcast app, and you don't have to use some really crappy third party that they've had to do forever. So we are officially up on that now, too. Great, great. I posted some numbers a couple of weeks ago, but we have had a, a great response to the show. We really appreciate everybody that listens. I got some DMs this week, some direct message of people that were just really appreciate the fact that we come on here, we do some banter, we're not straight laced, we like to talk about the frogs, talk about college football. This is your place for a TC, if you're a TCU fan, to come and hang out, listen to us talk about the frogs, things we care about, have our passion for TCU all right here in one spot. We love to talk with you guys. Thanks for listening. You're the ones that help make it happen. So for Trey Fallon and for Daniel Southern, I am Jeff Mitchell. Thank you for listening to the broadcast. <laughs>